Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God, so much for your word. Thank you for bringing the wonderful Christopher Brown back to us. Thank you for this church, Lord God. Thank you for all your blessings. We are so blessed. We love you. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are teaching us your ways this morning. We have open hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everyone. Have a seat. Get nice and comfy. Bless the Lord. So, good to see you all, sort of, you're a bit fuzzy at the moment, but you'll be clearer soon. (laughs) We are looking at the names of Jesus, which is fantastic, leading up to Christmas, the most wonderful person who ever walked on this earth, and through these names and titles, he reveals something of his character, and we want to know him more, because he is, he's just beautiful, Jesus He's amazing. You'll never love anyone the way you can love him. No one will ever love you the way he loves you. He is amazing. We need to know him personally. Just before I get into what I'm going to talk about this morning, do you know the name Jesus? It's the Greek version of the name Joshua. It's exactly the same name. It's just Greek, Hebrew, two languages. So Jesus and Joshua, same name. And do you know that that name is actually God's name? So Jesus and God have the same name. Because the name Joshua is Yeshua, and it comes from Yahweh saves. So it's Yahweh saves. So Jesus' name is Yahweh or Jehovah or, you know, however we, could, we don't know how to pronounce that name. It's Yahweh. It's what God said, I am. I am the Savior. So Jesus' name is Yahweh Savior. God calls himself, my name is Yahweh. So it's kind of cool. They have the same name. But... One of the names of Jesus that we'll be looking at today in John 6, Jesus said, John 3, oh, I think it's 6 actually, 35, written the wrong one, says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So there we have one of Jesus' great names, the bread of life. So just a little background Jesus had a great multitude following him and he'd been teaching them and after he taught them, they were hungry. Now a lot of um, ministers like to go home and get fed at that point. (laughs) Not Jesus. Jesus says, well, let's just feed them all, shall we? So he's just taught. He's probably tired, but he's just He's always giving, 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 giving. So he says, let's feed them as well. And so then we see this fantastic miracle of feeding 5,000 men along with the women and children. And I like the little detail there that he says, and, let, and make sure they gather up after feeding all of these people with the five loaves and the five fishes of the little boy. They, he said, gather up the leftovers. So there was no waste. I love that detail because Jesus could have just made more. <laughs> but he's like, no, let's not waste what we've got, which is a good little lesson on not wasting things in our homes and keeping them tidy. Um, so nothing lost, nothing wasted. And the people were really obviously impressed. 
and excited. And then they wanted to make him a king. He says, right, let's make him the king. And he just, no, no, no. He avoided them. They tried to follow him, but he tricked them because he walked on the water that night. So they were like, where'd he go? (laughs) He was on this side of the lake. And he's like, all of a sudden he's on the other side because he's He's clever. Um, so there's, there's so many stories in here. But just to follow the thread, they then found him again and started to talk to him about the bread. And that is the moment when he said, I am the bread of life. So they just eaten bread. And they were like, we love bread. Here's the bread. <clears throat> Yummy bread. Sorry, making a bit of a mess there. But we love bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread. So number one, we need spiritual food. We need bread, don't we? I love bread. Who loves bread? Lovely fresh white bread, yeah, with really good Danish butter, Vegemite. Yes. That is it. That's the ultimate. That's my treat. Just the fresh, fresh bread, butter. I like all kinds of bread. I like multigrain, healthy bread, sourdough. Frosty's the sourdough king. Uh, toast. <laughs> Chris is the toast man and he, he loves his toast and he makes toast at night and then the dog's here and he's got the dogs into making toast. So as soon as he pops the toaster down, they both run around like, can we have some toast? So the dogs love bread as well. Bread is your basic staple food and it was certainly then. You can survive on bread and water. So it was the basic sustenance. It's also healthy and it's delicious. Now, if you don't like bread, I, I imagine in a lot of, if Jesus had been born in, in China, he probably would have said, I'm the rice of life. Because that was the basic staple then, and it's delicious for them. Um, I think the other thing he might have said for my beloved husband is, I am the cereal of life. So if bread is not your basic food, what is? Because that's what Jesus, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm the basic food that you need and healthy and delicious. And by the way, bread is very healthy. Can we just put that out there? Can I just say that, you know, some people, like we get all modern and like, you know, we don't eat bread or gluten or different things. And I know some people genuinely can't, but bread is very good for you because otherwise Jesus wouldn't have said, I'm the bread of life, would he? Like he's not, you know, same with salt. Salt is good for you, just not too much. It's very simple. So we need food. We need to eat. We get hungry. Our bodies need food. We know that, obviously. We all have that experience of feeling really hungry, hopefully not too hungry. But our spirit needs food. And obviously Jesus is speaking about that spiritual bread that we need. Without Jesus, without eating that spiritual food, we are starving to death. People out there who don't have Jesus are literally starving to death. They are starving to death. Their spirit is starving and they don't even know it. That's a very dangerous place to be. That is a very dangerous thing to be starving to death and not to know it. Apparently you get to a certain point in physical starvation where you, you, you can't eat. You, you, you don't want to eat. You don't, you've lost your appetite because you're so sick. And that's what's happening out there in the world. People are starving to death, starving for righteousness, starving for meaning, starving for peace, starving for intimacy, and ultimately starving for God. And what they're trying to do is to fill that hunger with distraction rather than redemption. That's what they're trying to do. And we know that. We know. 
We know that people try to fill the hunger with whatever, pleasure, work, music, food, alcohol, media, addiction, sport, fun, money, false religions, a partner, all these things. They're trying to fill it up, but it won't work because Jesus is the bread of life. He is the basic food that we need. And without him, we are starving and we will die. That's why we need Jesus. And those things ultimately, really ultimately, they they distract for a while. In fact, for some people seem to be distracted for most of their lives. But look beneath the scratch under the surface, even even of so-called happy or successful people. And without Jesus, it's very shallow. It's, it, you, can, you can get by, but it's, well, it's certainly not eternal and it's quite shallow. You know, reading about poor old Matthew Perry recently, who, um, you know, he, I read one of his accounts of how he, he hit the fame and the fortune, you know, as a young actor trying to get there and, then, and they made it. He made it. He got onto Friends. It was a hit. The money started rolling in. And he said, and this bit I read, he said, for six months, I thought, um, I've, I've made it. I'm here. He's good looking. He's got the world in front of him. He's rich, famous. It's all happening. And he said, for six months, I had a ball. I was just like, whoa, I've made it. Six months. Six months. And then the emptiness came back. And as we know, he had a lot of struggles with addictions and various things. And it's very sad. I hope, in fact, I heard there was talk, you know, so I hope that he's right with Jesus now. (laughs) We can only hope once they've gone. But Six months, all that fame and fortune. You'd think if you were on Friends, you'd be happy, wouldn't you? You know, the star of the world. But no. We must be born again. We must eat of that spiritual food. And that's what he ultimately meant. We have to believe in Jesus and receive him into our heart. And that's what it ultimately means to, to eat the bread of life. It means to be born again. The crucified and risen Christ must be received and internalised or there is no eternal spiritual life. We have to receive him into our hearts and lives and we have to internalise him into our world and accept him as Lord and that means we have the bread of life. That's, that's the step, that's the, that's the bottom line. And when we do that, when we take and eat, which is obviously we celebrate it in communion, that's the symbol of it, then... He is able to satisfy our spirit because he gives us eternal life. He fills us with his righteousness so we have peace with God. He satisfies our deepest soul desires because he is our delight. He satisfies our need for intimacy because he is the love of our life. He satisfies our need for meaning because he is the truth. He satisfies our need for pleasure. Because he provides us with all good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. He's everything to us. So we need to make sure that we have asked Jesus into our life and we have the bread of life. Okay, come on. He is the bread of life. Praise God. And then, even when we are born again, we need to keep eating, don't we? We need to have fresh bread every single day. Bread can get... Bit stale, not, not that Jesus can ever get stale, so you've got to watch the metaphor there, but, but if, you haven't, if you're not continually experiencing bread, if you're not continually eating, you can get a little dry, and it doesn't matter how, how 
much you know Jesus or how, what, what position you're in. You know, you might be having a wonderful time. We need to come to him. You know, this holiday we had in New Zealand was just absolutely fabulous. And all credit to my husband. He's the ultimate travel agent. He worked out the best holiday. And he, he's so sweet because he even plans like just me things. Like we went and visited an albatross nesting place. He, took, he takes me bird watching. And look, he, he doesn't love it himself. He doesn't love it, but he does it for me. So that's, yes, I know he's, he's amazing. So, um, but despite the fact that we're having a near perfect holiday and so lovely and beautiful things to see in New Zealand, it's amazing, but it's not enough. So, um, (laughs) that's why they all come to Australia, right? Like, (laughs) buy New Zealand. Um, No, no. (laughs) I'm glad, certainly Caleb and Linda, I'm glad any other New Zealanders here, I'm glad you're here. But, um, no, no, there were times because even though I was having this wonderful holiday, you just, I mean, I, I need Jesus. And sometimes I just felt really restless and almost, to be honest, kind of lonely. Has anyone ever had that? You're on holidays and you think, I'm having the time of my life, but I feel weirdly down. (laughs) I felt that sometimes. My soul was restless. And I realised that a lot of the things that I fill my life up were gone. You know, I didn't have my children. I didn't have my grandchildren. I didn't have you lot. I didn't have like, you know, someone to just have a yak on the phone to. I wasn't watching any TV because New Zealand TV, you know, you don't watch it. And... um, (laughs) I did have a little look. I had a look. Yeah, sheep and all blacks. That was it. That's all I could find on TV. It was like, okay. All blacks were everywhere. So that's good. Um, but, you know, like, just, I mean, it's just random things. I was in the middle of watching the block when we went over there. And, I, you know, you just don't realise how much you rely on. I mean, you know, it's harmless entertainment, whatever. It's a bit, a bit more dramatic than I had expected it to be, actually, rather than just building houses. But... But, you know, you just sort of, you know, at night I watch the block and then I chat about the block to whoever's watching the block and, you know, and then we do this. And just these little soul things, they can fill us up and distract us. And then when you take them away, even though it's a holiday, you can feel sort of like, uh, 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 you know, you can feel a bit flat. But I know what to do. And so I want to encourage you. I knew Jesus said, anyone who comes to me and eats, he says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me, comes to me, shall never hunger. So you got to, it's not good enough to just look at the bread. This is not satisfying you that much, is it? It's not good enough to know, I, I ate bread a couple of weeks ago. It's not good enough to even be near the bread. There comes a point, and I won't do it because I'll ruin the loaf. And I'll give, whoever, I could just take a big bite out. <laughs> but I'll give this to someone if they want it after I've, after I've finished with it. Um, but... Um, no, that's not enough. You've got to come. You've got to eat it. You've got to partake. So I knew that that's what I needed. So we, Chris and I have got it all planned these days, you know, when we go on holidays. He would go off on a long hike, longer than I like to do. So he'd go to the top of the mountain. I'd go sort of near the bottom. <laughs> no, I did climb a couple of mountains, but not that many. But, um, but, you know, I'd find a lovely field out near Mount Cook and then I'd come to Jesus and I'd pray. It's very simple. You've got to pray and be close and come and eat. Bring the word of God because it's not enough that I'm just, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm fine. It's like I am fine, but I'm hungry. I'm hungry today. 
Today I need to eat. Today I need to come to Jesus. So, you know, we went to, we went to Diamond Lake which was very pretty and Chris went up the mountain and I found this great spot all by myself and I had such a great prayer time. And after that, I don't feel hungry. When I come to him and I really press in and I had plenty of time and I, I proclaim the word of God over my life and then I come away and I'm, having a, and I'm, I'm happy again. The holiday is good. But when I don't come to Jesus, it, it doesn't matter where I am. I can get restless, miserable, empty, hungry. One stage, I went. I did this one morning at Dunedin. We went for a, I went for a prayer walk, and I'm walking along the beach, praying away. And there's some random guy sitting up there playing the guitar on the beach. So you know he's probably a bit like of a hippie because who plays a guitar on the on the freezing cold Dunedin beach? Like seriously, and everyone's walking on the beach in their puffer jackets because we're like two thousand k's away from Antarctic. You know, so you can feel that. Anyway, I know that because they had a sign that said. 2000. <laughs> um, and the Lord said, go and, go and witness to him. And I'm like, oh, I really don't want to, Lord. Like, you know how you struggle sometimes? Like, I really don't want to. Like, it's just so awkward sometimes. And so I made a little deal with the Lord, which you probably shouldn't do. But anyway, I said, I'll just keep praying, God, because I really need to pray. And if he's still there when I come back, then I will. So I walked up the beach a long way and I walked back <laughs> and there he was. And I'm like, all right. So I have to obey the Lord. So I sort of, I was on the edge and he was up the top. So I had to sort of start to aim towards him, you know, and I'm getting closer and closer. And he's just playing away like, I think she's coming towards me. And I'm like, yes, I am. So anyway, I sat down and said, hey, hi. You're playing the guitar on the beach. She's like, yeah, yeah. I said, that's great. What are you playing? And so I just started to chat and he loved it. He was from Holland nothing else to do but play the guitar on the beach. He was just travelling around the world and, of course, had a fantastic time talking about Jesus because I said, oh, I play the guitar, but I mainly play for church. Oh, you play for church? My granddad's a Christian, or my opa, as he said, you know, da-da-da. And I went, oh, well, he's probably praying for you. Yeah, he does. But, you know, he was sort of new agey and all that. But um, I said, no, no, I worship the Lord. I love to worship the Lord. And he says, here, here. He gives me the guitar. So I went, all right, let's do it. Yeah, come on. Fortunately, I remembered some chords. I just sang a little worship song to him right there, and he liked it. And we had a great time, you know, and I witnessed to him and loved him. And, and then I prayed for him. You can pray for him too, Yance, because he was his granddad's praying for him. Like, come on, Yance. So, um, but can you imagine how great I felt when I came back from the beach? Not only had I prayed to Jesus, but I had a wonderful opportunity to sing to someone. I've never sung to someone with a guitar and witnessing before. I don't know if I'll do it again. I was a bit nervous, you know, but it worked. So, you know, I felt fantastic because I was with Jesus. I had prayed to him. I had proclaimed the word of God and I had obeyed him. A little slow, but I got there. That's, that's, that's eating. That's bread. And I was full and excited and got to see an albatross as well. So, you know, life, life was good. So let us recognise this deep hunger for him and let us come to Jesus and eat that fresh bread every single day. And if you're feeling restless or hungry, you just need to come. You need to eat. Because I tell you, you know that feeling. If you've had a full meal, you're not hungry. It's as simple as that. If you're still hungry, restless or not at peace... You're not eating enough. You really aren't. So come on. Let's come to Jesus. He is the living bread that comes down from heaven. So now, 
I could have left it at that, and Jesus could have left it at that too, because he'd fed the five the five thousand. That's very nice, and then he told them all, "I'm the bread of life." That's nice. That's nice. But I couldn't resist, of course, to read the next, the rest of the chapter because that's what you do. And I'm like, "Okay, Jesus." So I thought, let's let's just press in a little bit more on this bread analogy. <clears throat> So we know that the crowd kept seeking Jesus. They kept asking. They were saying, they said, how did you get here, Jesus? Because they didn't know about walking on the water. And what, what, should, what, what, could, what, what do you want us to do? How can we sort of work for God, they said. And what, what sign will you do? That's a random question. Didn't he just feed 5,000 of them? And he's, so they're, they're pressing him for more. And, they, and, they, and he sort of, you know, they, someone probably reminded him about the bread. And then... Um, he said, can you give, give us this bread every day? We want this bread every day. Moses gave us bread every day. Now they're challenging him, like, to compete with Moses. So, yeah, one off. But Moses, every single day, he fed the entire Israelites. So what are they doing here? Jesus was onto them because it said he knew what they were thinking. They just wanted a free meal. They wanted a free meal. They thought, yeah, I'll have the bread. They wanted spiritual entertainment. They wanted the loaves without the love. The benefits without the belief, the spectacle without the spiritual, the results without the righteousness. They wanted the gifts without the giver. That's what they wanted. And Jesus saw right through them and he said this in John six twenty six. Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not... Labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures for everlasting life. Isn't that interesting? Don't work just to get what you can get out of Christianity or out of God or out of church. It's not, he is the bread. He, does, he provides bread. But that's not what we're going for. We're going for him. And he saw that they just wanted the results. And he said, that is not what you should be working for. And even in our actual work, our daily work, he says, don't, don't just work to support yourselves. I mean, we, we have to work. But it, at the same time, the things of this world should not be our chief care and concern. Even at work, our chief goal is to bring glory to God wherever we are and provide for our family. But, you know, we want to do it for Jesus. So our actual physical work must be for Jesus, but even our spiritual effort must be for him and not just what he can give us. And we need to be very careful with that because sometimes I think we are so interested in the results that Jesus can give us that we're not focusing on the giver. It's like, I just am so desperate to get healed or so, so, you know, I just so want to get that blessing or so want this. And that isn't wrong. But it is wrong if that becomes our focus. And that's what Jesus was trying to show them. that he, he, They didn't have a problem believing that he could do a miracle. They just saw it. But he didn't like their attitude because that's all they wanted. They wanted more miracles and they wanted free bread. And sometimes we can be a bit like that. It's like, well, yeah, I, I, I want a I trip to Disneyland. How do, I, how do I get this trip to Disneyland? I've, I've actually met people. I've, I've met people who, you know, back in the day, everyone was excited and giving and giving and giving. And this this particular person I can think of was ticked off because they said, "I've been tithing for years, and what have I got for it?" 
And I was like, whoa, you want the trip to Disneyland, do you? I thought you wanted to bless God and give. Yeah. Like we have to be sure that, because Jesus never did the miracle again. They say, can you do it again, do it again, do it again? He didn't. He didn't do it again for them. He, he did do it twice, but not at that point when they were demanding it. Because he wanted them to focus on him. He said, don't be working for that. I'm the bread of life, like actually me. So let's make sure that our hearts are believing his word and focusing on him because he is the one that doesn't make us hungry. We all know this because we've all been healed probably or all received a blessing from God and then we can just forget, can't we? It's like, oh yeah, I got healed once. Yeah, but I'm just feeling really restless and it's because even healings and even results from God don't fill us. It's he himself who fills our life and it's him as a fresh revelation every day that fills our life. I remember once we had a, <clears throat> a lady came to our church and she had cancer and, um, and the doctors told her that she didn't have very long to live. And this is a long time ago and we prayed for her and she was healed. She was completely healed. She, um, she went back, she, well, we prayed for her at church, she went to the doctors and then after a couple of weeks they said that they couldn't find it, she was in remission, it was all gone and it was just great. And so that was, that was fantastic. And when I prayed with her, I think I might have prayed with her a couple of times because I remember she came back and she told me this wonderful news. And then the Lord gave me a word. And the word was that she needed to stay in church or it would come back. The cancer would come back. And once again, I was reluctant because I thought, I don't want to say that. That sounds terrible. (laughs) So I remember fighting it right there on the spot. I'm sort of smiling, but inside there's this war because I'm like, that's so full on Jesus kind of like hard and I I don't know if I want to say that it sounds kind of manipulative and oh I just struggled and struggled but you know sometimes the Lord you know it's God because you just feel ill if you don't say it so I finally said you need to stay in church or 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 it'll come back she goes oh yeah yeah of course of course okay great she was happy um so she did she stayed in church for a few years and then she stopped coming to church not just our church but church generally went off and did her thing and uh, we didn't, I didn't. I lost touch with her, and then, um, uh, and then I got a phone call from her, and she said, "Ruth, the cancer's come back." And I'm like, "I literally said it would." And she said, "Can you come and pray for me? Because the doctors all say I'm going to die, and they're so negative and horrible. But I need you to pray for me again because I want to get healed again." And I'm like, "Uh." Anyway, I I did go and see her and visit her in the hospital. I just couldn't pray for her to get healed again. I just had no faith for it and it just wasn't there and I sort of wanted it to be. I know God's gracious, but I just prayed for her to be right with the Jesus and she died sometime after that. So she came, she wanted the healing, but she didn't stay for Jesus. She didn't stay for, for what he, he, who he was. It's like, I'll just have the healing and then, okay, I'm good now, bye. It's like, no, we have to stay. And that, that was a little harsh. I don't normally do that, but, um, but it was true, unfortunately. So this is what happened. And Jesus encourages them to look to him. And he said that. He said, you, you don't really believe in me. And by believing, he didn't mean just that he exists or that he can do miracles. But, but want him and follow him and obey him. That's what believing really means. It's the, it's the whole package of belief. 
And so they believed he could do a miracle. They believed he existed. He was right in front of them. That wasn't so hard in those days. But they didn't believe that he was their Lord and Saviour and they need to obey him. That's what they didn't believe. So that's what we have to believe in order to really eat the bread. And then Jesus went on. He said, most assuredly, John 6, 53, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. He really emphasized it, didn't he? He just kept saying, you've got to eat my flesh, you've got to drink my blood. And they're all just going, uh, like this. And on hearing this, the disciple says, this is a hard teaching. Who, who can accept it? So it's so interesting. He could have left it there, but he, he was like, this is deeper than you realise. I'm going to press this. I'm going to go for that. I, want, I don't want you just to think that this is, because it's so nice, the bread of life. But he says, do you understand what this means? It means really taking me into your world. And he put it, but he didn't even say it in a sort of, nice spiritual way, like, you know, internalize my teachings. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're like, oh, like this. He was quite happy to confront people with something that was hard in order to get them really questioning and coming. And I just want to challenge us, like this woman, you know, she, it was hard what I said to her, but it was true. Jesus does sometimes say hard things to us, but he says hard things to us because he wants to bless us, because he wants us to press in. Not because he wants us to draw away, but because he wants us to go, what? What does that mean? And press in and discover more and eat more, not less. And unfortunately, it says that from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It also says they complained. It says they complained and murmured about this teaching. And we are going to have times in our life and in this church when it's hard, that what we hear is hard or what someone says to us is hard. And Jesus usually these days uses other people, whether it's your husband or your wife or your friend or your, your boss or your pastor or whoever, to say things that sometimes are a bit hard. But it's good for us because he wants us to press in. He wants us to, you know, really take a deeper, go deeper in him. And we need sometimes to handle the hard stuff because if we don't handle the hard stuff, we won't ever have that ultimate health food, if you like, which is Jesus. We won't ever go into that deeper realm. So let me encourage you sometimes to be prepared to eat the harder things that Jesus has to offer because it's still bread. It's still beautiful, fresh bread. And rather than complain, see, they complained and left. Jesus says, don't complain, come. If something's hard, don't complain, come, press in more. Press in more and get, get and wait longer or get more. You know, there's, there's always more for us. And some things are a bit hard to eat, but if we wait longer, you know, we've told you the story about waiting in the Russian queue for bread in St. Petersburg, when we used to have to go down and buy bread. And there was a bread shop and (laughs) there was this tiny little window and you had to wait for anything, depending on the queue, but anything from 10 minutes to half an hour just to buy the loaf of bread. And and it was just a long wait, but, you know, we had to do it because we had to eat. 
And so, you know, you just, we just figured, well, we need the bread. We wait in the queue. So I used to take my memory verse book down and just memorize the scripture and use the time well. So sometimes we have to wait a bit to get bread in life. And in this particular instance, they had, they didn't sell you the fresh bread that they baked that day until they'd sold all the old bread that they'd baked a day or two days or three days before. And you never knew when that moment would come. And you could smell the fresh bread and you wanted the fresh bread, but you might get the stale bread. And so you'd, you'd sort of think, is it fresh or is it stale? Where are we up to? And you'd, you'd hit the magic point and then the fresh bread's for sale. And you go, yes. But often, mostly, in fact, I think we got the stale bread, didn't we? I just, I just remember. But you'd, uh, I still remember the word, svirji. Svirji. <laughs> Look, nods, thank you, from my Russian friends here. I've got it correct. But we'd, we'd get there and you'd go, svirji, пожалуйста, like, please, fresh. And they go, нет. And they, like, that was... That was Russian service back in the day and there was this tiny little window. It wasn't like, you know, this tiny little window and you just, oh, I mean, oh, I don't even. I just, because the system was you had to wait in one queue to pay and when you got your ticket, then you could go to the other queue. It was like what we have out here in the cafe, but this is real life. <laughs> this is life. Like if you could, it, this, is, this was the problem with communism. It doesn't work, guys, because it would take us up to 45 minutes to buy one loaf of bread. You've still got to go to the chicken shop and the butter shop and the fruit shop. You know, it was, it was a full-time occupation to just provide food for your family. It was terrible. But, you know, you just took what you could get. And if you got stale klep, which is their brown bread, better than nothing, it was still quite tasty. You could toast it and it was okay. But, but we were prepared to wait. And, and, you know, Jesus' bread is never stale. But sometimes you have to wait a bit. Sometimes you have to press in. You have to... You have to you know, get to that place where you're getting the fresh bread. Let's make sure we do. And sometimes it's a bit harder than what we had expected. Maybe you're getting the, the, the brown, crusty loaf, you know. I thought I'd get the nice, soft, white bread. But, you know, if someone buys you the wrong loaf, you've got the really, you know, the really chewy ones. Whatever. Like, it's still bread. It's still good. And believe me, Jesus is always good. So let's not complain because they did complain. They complained right after he'd done all these miracles. It said they complained, they murmured, just as they complained in the, in, back when Moses did give them the manna. They complained then too. Oh, manna again, you know, fresh bread from heaven, like miraculous bread from heaven. Not enough. There's always something to complain about. If you've got a complaining attitude, you can complain. You can find something. Even in this fabulous life that we have and this fabulous church and these fabulous families we have, there's always something. So... Let's not complain. Let's press in. Let's come to him and eat. And we'll be satisfied. And even those issues that are often genuine issues, instead of complaining, we can have faith and we can see what God can do because that's what he does. And that's what Jesus said to the 12. When the others left, Jesus said to the 12, and this is John six sixty seven. Do you also, he said to the 12, do you also want to go away? And Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are Christ, the Son of the living God. So let us take those words to our heart. Where are we going to go? Where are you going to go? If you're not going to stay with Jesus and stay in church, where are you going to go? You're going to go out there and get distracted by the world? There's nothing out there. Let us stay with him. Let us eat. 
Let us be satisfied. Let us sometimes be challenged. And let's be blessed. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.